Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537 is the phone number. Uh, Ratchet and Ratchet gmail.com is the email address, and you can check us out at Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Uh, leave a review on Podchaser. You can leave a review for the show and for separate episodes as well, which is dope. Uh, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. My wife called this shit, y'all. And I don't remember if she called it on the show or if she just called it to me. She Sometimes I literally censor myself in jokes that I would make if there are things that would be up on my wife. Because at some point she's going to hear this episode and it's going to come back to me. Um, so I'm happy and safe. Um... But it's some she she did say um that it was a certainty that for all the grace that Mia Moore has shown um Carter, he was not gonna show her any of that and was going to go zero to one hundred extremely quickly. And you're looking at a woman who has been beaten To an inch of her life. Poisoned. Blinded. Degraded. A woman that you've held and comforted. Um, from the point where you found her in the hospital in a coma. A woman who you proposed to. And then proposed to again. So you pursued her. All of this. Disappeared within. 15-20 seconds. S. Fellas we got to talk about grace. Okay I know that I'm supposed to be doing a show right now. And I'm cool with that. And we'll get to it in a second. But we got to talk about grace. It's not like some <laughs> y'all motherfuckers. Okay. Look, y'all motherfuckers be out there acting like your lives are really like the cartel. Oh, that bitch betrayed me. Nigga, she ate the last slice of pizza that she bought. And you're like, I don't trust her no more. She got a haircut. 
she bought an outfit that makes you want to take her out to the club, but you're scared to go to the club, so you just think she's out there fucking with other niggas. Grace. The same grace you want somebody to give to you is the same grace, even even less of grace than you should give to others. Let's do it like that. That's how I try and live my life. The grace that I want people to give to me, I give them more grace in return. You can't have somebody just cover you in love and 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 affection and 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 peace and understanding and then as soon as they do one thing wrong you just attack and this ain't all no uh cancel culture shit uh because honestly y'all motherfuckers be saying some shit that'll just get you knocked out the game but there's no such thing as cancel cancel culture because Everybody who falls off comes right the fuck back. So, I never understood that statement. But y'all need to learn how to forgive people. And when you don't know how to forgive people, and you write a book where people are supposed to forgive people, it goes to this hilt. Where he's slapping her around and throwing her out of a hotel room naked and all that kind of stuff. And really, in my opinion, this is really just building up to her finding murder and getting back on her grind. Her finding murder and her girls. (sighs) With that said, let's go. Chapter 18. Me and Moore never felt so low as she sat in the hallway of the luxury hotel, pleading with Carter to forgive her. Her ego and principles were thrown out of the window. When it came to matters of the heart, she was willing to look foolish and willing to swallow her pride if it meant that Carter would be with her. She cried her heart out to him through the closed door, but it never opened. He had shut her out of his life, and she had to accept it. She was physically and emotionally spent as she stood to her feet. Using the wall to hold her up, she made her way to the elevator. Her hair was wild, her face stained with dry tears, and she wore nothing but a bathrobe as she made her way out of the hotel. Stares and whispers surrounded her as her bare feet carried her through the lobby. Excuse me, miss. The maitre d' of the hotel rushed over to her with two security guards in tow. I received a call from the presidential suite. I'm going to have to escort you off the premises. What the fuck? Are you serious? She done already left your presence, dude. Why are you calling down to get her thrown out? What the fuck? Grace. Grace. The security guards grabbed her arms and she snatched them away. Don't touch me, she screamed, making an even bigger scene. She made it outside and walked as far as her feet would take her, but every step felt like a thousand. She was too fragile to make it on her own. She had exhausted all of her energy and gave up as she fell to the ground to catch her breath, the hot pavement burning her skin. At this point, she felt hopeless. She had given up everything and had betrayed her girls trying to chase a dream. At least before, she had them as her family. Now, 
All she had was herself. Murder has sat in the car all night watching the hotel, waiting to see Mia Moore and Carter emerge. He was so close to her, and he wasn't going anywhere until he brought her home, back to New York where she belonged. He cringed at the way Carter touched Mia Moore, and jealousy loomed over him like a dark cloud. When he finally saw Mia Moore emerge from the hotel alone, struggling and barefoot, he grabbed his gun and jumped out of the car and ran towards her. His baggy khaki shorts, white t-shirt, and red fitted cap represented the complete opposite of what Carter's polished demeanor did. But the two men had one thing in common. They both loved Mia Moore. Mia Moore, he yelled, grabbing her attention. Mia Moore didn't even look in his direction. She heard a man screaming her name and instantly thought of Mecca. She looked around for something to defend herself with, but she could barely scrape herself up off the ground. She frantically tried to hide, but there was nowhere to go. Traumatized and too tired to put up a fight, she screamed when murder finally reached her. It wasn't until he picked her up off the ground that she realized that she wasn't in danger. It's okay, Ma. Murder's back. I'm going to handle that nigga and anybody associated with him, he sneered. Word to my mother, Ma. I'm going to cook that beef personally. Cook that beef? What the? <sighs> One day I'm going to go to New York. And all I want to do is sit at a bench. Probably not in Central Park because I feel like that's where all the rich motherfuckers go. But sit at a bench and just listen to people talk. It's so musical. It is so musical. And 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 I just want it to wash over me. And I want to pick up some stuff and take it back home to Cali. And then use it. And everybody thinks I'm a fucking lame. But then it takes off. Yeah, I want to be the white woman of TikTok for lingo in Cali. I want to take other people's hard work and take it back to my folks. And act like I came up with it. Mia Moore thought that her eyes were deceiving her. Murder? She called out as she touched his face. It's me, Shorty. I got you. Relief washed over Mia Moore and she gave in to her body's urge to rest. She closed her eyes, knowing that she was in the arms of family and that nothing would happen to her while he was around. It had been five long years since she had felt that safe. It seemed like a lifetime ago since she had felt the secure connection with murder. But now that she has seen his face again, she realized he was so prevalent in her life. Even with Carter, there was a constant threat of danger. But with murder, there was no secrets. No lies dwell between them. There was only trust. Murder took Mia Moore back to the motel room where Robin and Aries were waiting. It was a far cry from the Four Seasons, but it was how he got down. Murder was not into the glamorous life. He wasn't a flashy type of nigga. He was a hood nigga and a goon who had established his track record in the hood from the sandbox up. He didn't need all the extras. He actually found the entire cartel establishment to be a joke. Those clown ass niggas on that Hollywood godfather shit he thought as he put me and more down and stared at her. That Rico suave ass nigga don't know how to keep a bitch like me and more. Shorty a gangster. Not some high society broad. What happened to she? 
Aries asks as she and Robin rush to Mia Moore's side and observe their dear friend. That bitch-ass nigga Mecca happened to her. Robin stated as she shook her head and wiped away a tear. She and Mia Moore hadn't always seen eye to eye. They butted heads more than a little bit. But that's what family does. Mia Moore was her sister. They had been through the fire together. And to see her so beat up enraged her. That nigga Carter let the shit happen to her. Mecca's his brother. He wanted to be her man. So he should have been her man and made sure she wasn't touched. Not mean, Murder said. He gonna feel it too. Mia Moore heard the voices around her and slowly opened her eyes. How you feeling, mama? Robin asked. Mia Moore smiled slightly and shook her head from side to side. I lost him, she whispered. Aries and Robin looked at one another, then back down to Mia Moore. God damn it. They couldn't understand her love for young Carter, and they were past the point of trying. They were just glad that they had gotten their friend out while she was still alive. They knew that Mia Moore no longer had the malice it took to kill, so they would handle it for her. She doesn't even have to know, Robin thought. Once Carter and Mecca out of the picture, she'll be able to move on with her life. She'll be back to her old self in no time. You have us, Mia. Harry stated. That's all you need. I'm so sorry for turning my back on y'all. You guys are all I have, Mia Moore said. Robin knew that Mia Moore wasn't herself because she had never apologized for anything. The new emotional woman in front of her was not the same girl she had met years ago. She wasn't the same chick who had cut off a nigga's dick for money or the same one who had taught her to shoot a gun properly. Mia Moore had changed. She was vulnerable. Love has really made her ass go soft, Robin thought. It's okay, honey. We're sisters. We're always here for you. Me and Aries are going to let you get some rest. But there's somebody else here for you, Robin said as she stood. She grabbed Aries' hand and they exited the room. Me and Moore turned her head and smiled when she saw murder posted by the door, with one foot resting against the wall. He scanned her from head to toe. Neither of them said a word, but they stared intently at each other. They were both surveying the changes they saw in each other. He finally walked over to Mia Moore and knelt beside the bed. He grabbed her hand and turned it over to see the tattoo on her wrist. You still my little mama, huh? He said as he kissed the tattoo. He knew what the phrase murder mama meant. It meant that she was his. And she knew it too. So does that mean that all the rest of the girls who got murder mama tatted on their arm, all the rest of the women who got murder mama tatted on their arm are are his girls too? Is that what they planned out from the very beginning of writing this book? That they thought that they were their own group, but really they were following in his footsteps? Because really that just reinforces what I've been saying about how women in this book have no absolute... They have no... Direction without men. Always, she replied as she touched his face, remembering the bond that they had once shared. I miss you, Mia Moore. I thought about you every day while I was on the island, he said. She wiped a lone tear away and gave him a half smile. She used to think of murder all the time before she met Carter. I miss you too, she responded.
Murder looked at her, and the anger inside of him was evident. It radiated off of him, and because she knew him so well, she was able to read him like a book. His presence was exactly how she remembered it. He was still strong and commanding as he had always been. Prison had done him good. He was solid and strong. His swagger still the same. Low-key and mysterious. I didn't want this for you, Mia Moore. This wasn't supposed to be your life, Murder stated as he kissed her hand. This is all I've ever known. Every time I find someone that I love, I realize the fate is playing a sick game with me. I can never have someone to call my own. You belong to Anissa. Carter belongs to the cartel. I wanted you both, but neither of you were meant for me, she said miserably, the sorrow of her broken heart affecting her words. I came to take you home, Murder stated. <laughs> Mia Moore laughed obnoxiously as she shook her head. Home? I don't think I've ever had one of those. I've never been in one place long enough to consider it home. I've never felt safe enough to be at home, she said. What's home, murder? What's home for me? With me, he stated simply. Mia Moore knew that because Anissa wasn't around, things could be different between them. He loved her. He always had, but she wasn't an 18-year-old girl anymore. She was a grown-ass woman who had evolved. With her emotions for Carter all over the place, she didn't know how she felt. When she had come to Miami, she had put murder out of her mind, but it was obvious to her that he had never forgotten about her. He had come for her after five long years, just as he had promised he would. He never broke his word to her. He would give her the world if he could. Can I offer him the same loyalty in return? She asked herself. I don't know if I can give you what you want from me right now, murder. I've never lied to you, so I don't want to start now. My heart is with someone else, she admitted sadly. It was something that she didn't want to say, but it was something that he had to hear. Murder winced and released her hand. He hated Carter for locking down Mia Moore's heart. The look in her eye when she spoke of Carter was the same look that used to be reserved for him years ago. That nigga almost cost you your life, Mia, he reminded. He didn't know what I was into. Murder heard her as she tried to defend him, but he interrupted. Ah, Ma, don't give me that. The nigga knew what he was into. That's all that matters. If he's a boss, then he protects those around him. Especially his bitch. Did I put enough inflection into that? You know the game, Ma. I know you know, because I taught you. You should have murked him, Mia Moore. Quick, and without a second thought, because that was the job you were paid to do. That was what you signed up for when you picked up that phone years ago. You're my little mama. What? This shit says you're murderer's mama, baby, comma, girl. You're murderer's mama, baby, girl. What? That doesn't make any sense no matter how I look at it. I can't even pick it apart to make it make sense. You're murderer's mama, baby, girl. So, 
they could have said you're murderer's baby girl. You're my baby girl. You're you're a murder mama girl. But not your murder's mama's what? Your murder's mama baby girl. Your murder's mama baby girl. The fuck? That makes no sense. I'm sorry. That's like gibberish. Your murder's mama baby girl. You know what it is between me and you. That's why you got my name tatted on you. Mia Moore turned up her lips and rolled her eyes as she sneered at him in denial. We all got the same tattoo, she defended. Yeah, but it was your idea, and it meant the most to you, he said, knowingly. He smiled and lifted her chin, forcing her to reveal the truth in a smile of her own. After all this time, he still knew her all too well. Forget about him, Mia Moore. I'm back now. I care for your sister, but she's gone. Everything that stopped us before doesn't matter now. Nothing's in the way now. I came here for you, and another nigga will never hurt you while I'm around. Get some rest. We're leaving for New York in a couple of days. Your murder's mama baby, girl. That's stupid. Chapter 19. We got to dead these niggas, murder whispered as he looked over his shoulder to make sure Mia Moore was still asleep. He, Robin, and Ares were huddled up, putting their game plan in motion. Murder wanted what was left of the cartel dead. He planned on killing Carter first, and then making Mecca come to them. He was about to set a trap for the cartel. Mia Moore was dead to the world, as she lightly snored in the bed just a couple feet away from him. The painkiller that she had been taking had her drowsy, and for the past two days she had done nothing but sleep. She was still recovering from a coma, and also from a broken heart. It pained murder to see her heartbroken over another man. He felt like Carter had stolen what was his. The Mia Moore he remembered was feisty, and was never pressed over a dude. This Carter guy really has her heart, murder thought as a small streak of resentment ran through his body. He glanced over at Mia Moore and admired her beauty. Even with the marks and scars on her face, she was beautiful to him. He focused back on Ares and Robin and spoke. We gotta handle this dude, Murder said as his trigger finger began to itch. I, I guess it's not just Mecca. Maybe they're brothers and they just don't know it. Maybe Carter Sr., old Carter, got around to New York. Who knows? Because, you know, itchy trigger fingers are definitely genetic. I know, but I cannot get to the nigga. Mia Moore's not going to help us murk him. She's in love with him, Robin said, trying to explain to Murder how Mia Moore had changed. It's okay. We're going to make him come to us, Murder said as he put his plan together in his mind. He felt obligated to kill Mecca and Carter because of all the pain they had caused the only women who he'd ever let into his life. Anissa and Mia Moore. He took the trespass against them personally, and he wasn't leaving Miami until all scores were settled. Grab Mia Moore's phone, he instructed Ares, as he had it all mapped out. Carter was about to die, and then Mecca soon after. He planned on using Mia Moore as bait. Robin walked over to the nightstand and sneakily removed Mia Moore's cell phone. She walked back over to murder and handed the phone to him. 
Murder quickly went into Mia Moore's contact list and began to scroll down, looking for Carter's name. He located it and quickly began to text him in hopes that Carter would think Mia Moore was texting him. I'm going to make this nigga come straight to us, Murder said as he pushed the send button and began to patiently wait for Carter to take the bait. Now, we just sit back and wait, he said just before he got up and walked over to Mia Moore. He stood over her and bent down to kiss her on the forehead. I'm taking you back home, Mia Moore. Everything's going to be all right, he whispered in her ear as she slept comfortably. I love you. Murderer never said that to anyone besides Mia Moore. He had never trusted anyone enough to extend something so great. But as he looked down at her, he knew that he meant every word. I love you too, Carter. (laughs) Mia Moore whispered back while still in her sleep. It was obvious that Murder was not the man in her dreams. Hearing those words were like daggers through his heart, but he understood. He was just ready to end the cartel and move Mia Moore back to Brooklyn, where she belonged. Carter watched as the movers moved all the expensive decor and statues from the Diamond Estate. The Immaculate Mansion didn't even look the same now that it was half empty. Carter's Phoenix adventure was all in place. His partners were just waiting on his arrival to get the ball rolling. The cartel was about to go legit and leave the entire street business behind. Carter possessed all the business savvy his father once had, but never knew how much he was like him. He felt his Blackberry vibrate and quickly pulled it off his waist and looked at it. It was a text from Mia Moore, asking him to meet her somewhere so they could make things right between them. He quickly dismissed it and shook his head. He missed her dearly, but he hated her at the same time. She had betrayed him to the fullest extent, and in the process she broke his heart, making him feel like a fool. He knew that he should have killed her on behalf of the cartel, but he couldn't pull the trigger. There was a small part in him that still loved her, even though she was responsible for the fall of his family. Again, not really. Not really. Mecca is responsible for, like, really all of it, except for his dad dying. Let's, 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 let's kick the ballistics, G. As I used to say under my breath to my boss when she would talk to me, she's white. Kick the ballistics, Sarah. Um, he killed money. His poison killed Taryn. And he shot the dude that was going to lead them back to Breeze. So he killed Breeze. Three for three. Why can't I let her go? Carter asked himself as he slowly paced the room with his hands behind his back. The clicking sounds of his Maury gators echoed throughout the house as he thought deeply about Mia Moore. Zaire walked in, interrupting his thoughts. I'm all packed up and ready to leave this motherfucker for good, he said, and his Jordan sneak scuffed the marble floor. Phoenix is a good look, he said as he approached Carter and slapped hands while embracing him. About that, Carter said as he stepped back. I want you to fall back for a month or two. Go back to Flint and I'll send for you, he said as he looked in his eyes. What? What? Why do you want me to go back home, Carter? Zaire asked, totally confused about Carter's sudden change of heart. Zaire, 
it's not what you're thinking. I'm doing this to protect you. You are the only one I fully trust on this earth. Mecca's my brother, but his head isn't always in the right place. He's impulsive, while you're a thinker. You plan every move before you make it. You're like a little brother to me, and I just want you to be safe. I want to check out the new turf first, and then I'll send for you. I need you out of harm's way for a while, just in case something happens to me. If that day comes, you'll know what to do. I've already made arrangements just in case you have to step into my shoes, Carter said, thinking two steps ahead. I don't get it, fam, Zaire said with a confused look on his face. I'm taking a lot of money up there to get washed, feel me? I don't know if I'm dealing with undercover agents or what. If anything goes down, I want you to be safe, and I want to leave my business in the hands of someone I trust. You all I got left, Zai, Carter said as he put his hand on the back of Zaire's neck. Carter knew that Zaire wouldn't like the news, but it's something that he had to do. Zaire was exactly like him. He had the same swagger, same morals, and same thought process as he did. Carter had practically built Zaire from the ground up to be a real nigga. He would never be able to forgive himself if Zaire got caught up in some bullshit on his account. Carter kissed the top of Zaire's head and pulled him close. That was his little man, and he had much love for him. He knew that Zaire was a boss in the making, but that wasn't the path he wanted for him. He had big plans for his little man that would introduce him to an entirely new world, the business world. All Zaire had to do was be patient. Just trust me, family. Just trust me, Carter said as he released Zaire. Zaire felt like his world was crashing down. To not be what Carter was like taking his other half. Carter was his nigga, his father figure, and his only family. He wanted to protest, but Carter had yet to tell him anything wrong, so he nodded his head in agreement. Okay, he answered in reluctant agreement. Cool. I got your plane tickets on the table in there. Your stuff will be sent to you when you get up there. You got your paper up, right? Carter asked, referring to Zaire's cash. No doubt, Zaire confirmed as he thought about the half million dollars he had stashed away in a foreign account. The proceeds from the Miami drug game had done him lovely, and he had enough to be comfortable at that point. He walked into the room to retrieve his one-way ticket to the murder capital of Flint, Michigan. He knew something was wrong with Carter, but he couldn't place his finger on it. In Zaire's eyes, it was as if Carter was telling him goodbye. Carter's flight was scheduled for that next morning, and he was ready to leave everything behind. No matter what he did, he couldn't get his mind off Mia more. He felt his phone buzz again, and he looked at the screen. It was Mia Moore again. Just leave me alone, Mia. You're killing me, he said in a low whisper as he dismissed the text. Zaire returned back to the front with his plane ticket in his hand. He saw the look in Carter's eyes, and there was no mistaking that something was wrong. The final chapter. That's literally what they call it, the final chapter. So, you know this, the final chapter. Carter, please respond. I miss you. I know you're upset, but I need to see you. 
Love always, me and more. Why the fuck do they do this once per chapter? <clears throat> Young Carter read the words twice before deleting the message. Jesse had done with all the others. It had been seven days since he had put me and more out of his hotel room, and she was constantly on his mind. Every message she sent reminded him of what they had both lost. He hoped the relocation would help give him a fresh start. The cartel no longer ran Miami. They were out of the drug business and moving on to new heights in a new environment. All of the death, destruction, and deception would be left behind. Mia Moore would be left behind. He wished that things could be different, but the truth of the matter was, she was untrustworthy. Nigga, come on. He had done her one last favor by keeping Mech off her ass. He felt that he owed her that much. Although she had lied to him, everything that he had told her was the truth. He had indeed fallen in love with her, and because of that, he allowed her to live. Now he could skip town and forget that he ever knew her. The sound of a door opening and closing indicated Mecca's arrival. He walked into the house. His long hair was pulled back into a ponytail, and he wore a sad expression on his face. Carter had never seen Mecca so humble and serene. Melancholy filled the room as Mecca looked around at the nearly empty mansion. I came up in this house, he said. I watched Papa run his meetings out of this house. Me? Breeze and money used to play in that backyard. Mecca's eyes had tears in them as he recalled the fond memories of his family. But he let none fall and kept his head held high, just as his father had taught him to do. He wished that he could rewind the clock to happier times, but nothing could erase the hollow feeling he felt. I'm the last one standing. Carter didn't respond. He had never known the infamous man who had fathered him, but he respected him all the same. He had grown to love Taryn as much as his own mother, and the deaths of his siblings had destroyed him because he had been robbed of his time with his newfound family. It doesn't seem right leaving all this behind, Mecca stated. We have to, Carter stated. He extended his hand to Mecca, and they embraced briefly. Carter picked up his Louis luggage, and they both headed towards the door. All of the other contents of the house had already been shipped to Arizona. A new house would be set up and waiting when they arrived. Where's Zaire? Mecca asked. He has a couple stops to make, but he'll be flying back to Flint tonight. The arrangements are already made for him, Carter explained. Carter's Blackberry rang out loud, and he saw that Mia Moore texted him again. Carter, if you ever really loved me, please text me back. I'm sorry for everything. I don't want to lose you. Mecca watched Carter as he typed into his phone. I know this motherfucker ain't still in contact with that bitch, he thought. Mecca had a gut feeling that Carter was responding to Mia Moore. And although he had given his word to Carter that he wouldn't touch her, he had lied. That was an itch that he was determined to scratch. He just couldn't let his hatred for her go. He had a score to settle. He had a good feeling that he was going to get a chance to do it before he left Miami. His brother was going to lead him right to her. Sorry's not enough. I'm leaving town tonight. Good luck with your life, Ma. Carter typed back. 
Within seconds, his phone was going off again with another message from Mia Moore. Carter, please do not leave me like this. At least give me a chance to say goodbye. Meet with me, Carter, please. I won't take up too much of your time. I just want to see you. What's up, fam? Mecca inquired, trying to sound casual. Carter looked at him. Oh, ain't shit. Just a little something I forgot to take care of. What time does that private jet take off? Six o'clock, Mecca replied. Carter looked at his watch. It was only 3 p.m. That left him with three hours to spare. He thought about never seeing Mia Moore again, and his stomach turned over. She was right. They did need to see each other face to face before he left. They needed closure. There's a warehouse in Opelika on 27th Avenue. Meet me there in an hour. Carter instructed Mecca to meet him at the landing strip, and the two parted ways. It's about fucking time, Robin yelled out as she flipped Mia Moore's sidekick clothes. She looked at Ares in murder. He responded. He thinks he's meeting her in Opelika in an hour. Murder was about to put his game down like only he could do, and a devilish leer spread across his face. He went into the closet and put on black gloves and grabbed a black forty-five. He tucked it into his waistline. We should come with you, Ares stated as she stood. Murder shook his head. Ares, you stay here with me and more. Robin, you come with me. I'ma personally rock this nigga to sleep. When me and more comes out the shower... Get her ready to go. Pack up all our shit and wipe the room down. When I get back, we're out, he explained. Mia Moore closed her eyes as the stream of shower water licked her wounds. She was still not at full health, but was grateful for the little bit of strength that was returning to her limbs. At least I could stand up and walk around without passing out, she thought as she washed her body. A part of her was happy to be getting out of Miami. She had too many bad memories here. It was where her sister had been killed, where she had almost been killed, and where she lost the man she loved. Fuck Miami, she thought bitterly. She was trying to rebuild her callous attitude. Being tough had stopped her from being hurt in the past. She had built walls around herself that only Carter had been able to scale. Forget about him. He doesn't want you. It's over, she said to herself. She got out of the shower and wrapped a towel around her body. Green bruises covered her everywhere, but her body was healing and she was grateful for that. If only her heart could heal as well. She walked out into the room and saw Aries packing up their things. What's going on? she asked. Nothing, Mia. Get dressed. When Murder and Robin come back, we're leaving, Aries stated. For New York? Mia Moore asked. Yeah. Tonight? Yeah, Mia, we're leaving tonight, Ari said as she looked on in sympathy. She knew that Mia Moore was mourning over losing Carter. When all their bags were by the door, Aries turned and said, Me will go fill up the tank at the station on the corner. Mia, do you need anything while I'm out? Fuck. This is where Mac is going to show up. Mia Moore shook her head no as she stepped into a pair of Robin's Juicy Couture sweatpants and put on a tank top and sneakers. Nah. Go ahead. I'm good. Ari shrugged. All right. Me will be right back. By the time they get back, we'll be ready to dip. 
Aries left out, and Mia Moore locked the door behind her. She lay down on the bed and closed her eyes when her phone began to ring. She walked over to the dresser where her phone lay. She hadn't checked it since she had been there. She had forgotten that she even had it. The name Carter Jones appeared on her screen, and butterflies instantly appeared in her stomach. She flipped open her PDA and saw that she had an unread text message. I'm on my way. She frowned when she read the message. On your way where? She asked aloud. Mia Moore searched the outbox of her phone, and her eyes widened in shock. I didn't send these, she thought as she read through every one. They're going to set him up. Carter's going to walk into a trap. She put her hands over her mouth and speed dialed his number. Her anxious heart felt as if it was going to explode. She tapped her fingers impatiently against the desk as the phone rang in her ear. The voicemail popped on and she hung out the dialing again. Pick up the phone, she urged nervously, knowing that Carter's life rested in her hands. If Carter arrives at that warehouse, he's dead, she thought. It wasn't that she thought Carter was a punk, but she knew murder would expire Carter on sight. When she received his voicemail again, she screamed in frustration. Answer the fucking phone! She tried to reach him once more, but to no avail. Either he wasn't taking her calls, or murder's job was already complete. She looked to see what time he had texted her last. I still have a half an hour, she thought. She was so overwhelmed that she wanted to cry, but now was not the time for her to bitch up. I have to get to him, she thought. I'm the only person who can stop murder. I'm the only person he won't kill. It had been a long time since she had prayed, or since she had even believed in God. But for this, she raised her head to the sky and closed her eyes. Please don't let Carter die. I need him. She paced back and forth until finally Ares came back. Ares instantly recognized the fire in Mia Moore's eyes. Mia Moore tossed the phone at Ares. How could you do this? Mia Moore asked. The look on Ares' face established her guilt, but she responded. We've done this a thousand times. I love him, Mia Moore yelled. This time is different. She took a deep breath, not one to overexert herself. She could feel the room start to spin. Give me the keys, she demanded. Ares hesitated, but then handed them over without contest. She removed the chrome 4 or 5 from her waistline and passed it to Mia Moore as well. Mia Moore brushed past her, and just before she exited the room, Ares called her name. Mia! Mia Moore turned around and stared at her friend. I'm sorry. Mia Moore didn't respond. She knew that if something happened to Carter, her relationship with her girls would never be the same. She stormed out of the room, hopped into the rental car and sped off recklessly, praying that she was able to stop the madness before it was too late. Carter pulled up to the vacant warehouse. It was one of the many stash spots that he had used to store guns and drugs. He sat in the car for a few minutes, trying to gain his composure. No matter what she says, it's over. I can't trust her, he told himself. He knew that once he saw her face, 
his emotions would try and override his intellect. He could not allow that to happen. A beautiful woman had been the downfall of many men. He refused to allow Mia Moore to lead him to a premature demise. She had showed shade. There was larceny in her heart, and because of that, he had to make a clean break. He exited his vehicle and activated his car alarm, then proceeded into the building. He stopped walking in mid-step and turned around to return to his car. He popped the trunk and hit a button that caused the floor of his trunk to slide back, revealing an arsenal of weapons. He had to remember that he was no longer dealing with the woman he loved. He was dealing with a murder mama, and although he didn't truly believe that Mia Moore would harm him, he was not about to walk in unstrapped and chance it. After Mia Moore's confession, he had done his research on the murder mamas and found out that they were more treacherous than he could have ever imagined. Their work was exquisite, precise, and professional. Carter couldn't imagine Mia Moore doing some of the jobs that he had heard she had pulled off, and a part of him was intrigued by the mystique of it all. The other part of him was enraged, because she had been hired to take down his family, including him. That put them at odds in the territory where love couldn't exist. He had gone over all the possibilities in his head. There was no way, under any circumstances, he would ever be with her. He's here, Robin whispered down to murder from the second floor. She had a perfect view of the parking lot, and from where she stood, she could easily shoot anything moving on the floor below. She would let murder handle his business, but if things went awry, she would kill Carter. Robin watched Carter walk up to the building. Then all of a sudden, he disappeared. Murder waited behind the front entrance to sneak him from behind. After five minutes passed, Carter still hadn't walked through the door. Yo, what the fuck the nigga doing, Murder asked, trying to keep his voice low so his presence wouldn't be known in the warehouse. I don't know. I can't see him. He walked right up to the front door, and then I lost sight. Robin stopped speaking abruptly when she felt the cold kiss of death. Carter was standing behind her with his pistol to her neck. He wasn't a fool, and he didn't run the largest drug operation in Florida for nothing. He didn't trust Mia more, but he was glad that he had followed his gut instincts and entered the building through the secret entrance on the side of the building. Carter peered over the ledge to see what he was going up against. He couldn't believe that Mia Moore had tried to set him up. He could see murder waiting for him, lurking with his gun already aimed, and he realized that if he had walked through the front door, he would have been shot at point-blank range. Murder? Robin called out loudly as she struggled against Carter. Murder looked up to where Robin hid and saw Carter walk out of the shadows with his gun drawn. Carter had an advantage over him. From where he stood, he could have easily shot him. Fuck is you? Carter asked as he began to descend the steps, with Robin in the chokehold. Why? You have the upper ground. Why come down? He surveyed the room looking for me and more. Murder smirked and aimed his gun at Carter. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Unless you want me to splatter this bitch's brains all over the floor, Carter threatened. Murder laughed as if Carter had told a joke. And then, without hesitation, he turned his gun towards Robin. Boom! With the markman's aim, Murder hit Robin with a hollow tip in the center of her forehead. 
She folded in Carter's arms, then dropped lifelessly to the concrete floor. She never saw her end coming. Carter glanced down at Robin's dead body in disbelief, and in that split second, murder capitalized on the opportunity. Boom! Murder let off a shot, hitting Carter in the leg, causing him to drop his gun. Carter didn't even have time to react as he grabbed his leg in pain. Ah! He screamed as a burning flash of heat terrorized him as a bullet ripped through his leg. Murder wanted to kill Carter slowly. He hated the fact that Mia Moore had fallen for another man, and he was going to enjoy snuffing his lights out. Mia Moore hit 100 miles per hour as she drove and ran through red lights, frantically trying to make it in time. When she was four blocks away, a traffic jam slowed her car down to a crawl. Damn it! She yelled as she hit the steering wheel in frustration. I can't wait this out. He'll die if I don't get there, she whispered urgently. An emotional lump formed in her throat. Calm down, Mia Moore, she told herself. You can do this. You have to do this if you want to save the man you love. She grabbed the gun off the passenger seat and pulled the car over to get out. She could see the tall warehouse about a quarter mile up the street. I have to run, she thought wearily. She was doubtful that she could, because she could barely stand on her feet for too long without feeling weak. She knew that her body wasn't ready for what she was about to put it through, but she had no choice. Carter was worth the pain. Mia Moore took off running at full speed, ignoring the ache of her limbs and the excruciating beat of her heart as she pushed her body to the limit. Her broken ribs screamed in protest with every step she took. Each time her feet pounded the pavement, she felt as if she would pass out. Her lungs burned, but she refused to stop. Ah! She screamed as she continued on. No longer able to endure the pain, she stopped and placed her hands on her knees to balance herself. She gulped in air as if she was suffocating, and she could no longer stop her tears from coming. I can't do this, she whispered. Murder's going to kill him. Carter grabbed his piece off his ankle holster and returned fire, sending bullets sailing past Murder's head, and then stood to his feet. Fucked, he grimaced as blood soaked through his Avisu jeans. Murder took cover behind a stack of steel barrels and spit bullets until his clip was empty. He'd immediately put a fresh clip in his gun and ducked for cover his brief pause giving Carter the chance to gain a slight advantage. Fuck you hiding for, you bitch-ass nigga? Carter screamed as he fired more shots. Murder couldn't get a shot off. Every time he rounded the corner of the barrels, Carter popped off. He was relentless with his weapons, and he wasn't going to stop until Murder stopped breathing. Damn, this nigga's shooting like his clip don't expire, Murder thought in irritation as he waited for Carter to run out of ammunition. What he didn't know was that young Carter stayed strapped. He had one in his waistline, one on his ankle, and two in a shoulder holster, so the bullets would be coming for days. The fuck, is he the nigga from New, or not New Jack City, I'm gonna get you sucker? The one who had the, like, five shotguns and 17 pistols and the ankle holster, and then he slipped on a bullet and fell and shot himself? Great movie. Carter stopped firing and waited so the murderer would think he had run out of bullets. 
But as soon as Murder jumped on the opportunity, Carter came up blasting, hitting Murder in the shoulder. The power from the 9mm blew him back, almost knocking him off his feet. Ah! Fuck! Murder shouted. He was livid. In all the years he had been pulling jobs, he had never been hit. The pain radiated through his shoulder and traveled down his entire body as sweat dripped from his forehead. Murder stepped from behind the barrels and faced his adversary. Both men extended their guns, standing within five feet of each other and looking down the barrel of one another's guns. The malice in their eyes displayed their hate for one another. Carter and Murder wrapped their fingers around their triggers at the same time. They were both prepared to go out in a blaze of glory. Mia Moore staggered up to the front door of the warehouse. Her body was so beat up that she practically collapsed into the entrance from fatigue. Murder, no! She screamed when she saw the two men that she loved preparing to kill each other. She pulled her gun and pointed it in their direction. You sent this nigga here to kill me, Carter yelled, never taking his eyes off Murder. No, just please stop, she pleaded. Murder, Carter, don't do this. Mia Moore's voice fell on deaf ears because both Murder and Carter kept their weapons locked and loaded. Mia Moore let off a shot in the air to get their attention and then aimed her gun at them. Shoot this nigga, Mia Moore, Murder ordered. He did this to you. Kill him, Mia Moore. Mia Moore turned her gun towards Carter, tears in her eyes. Their eyes met. No words needed to be spoken between them for her to know that she couldn't pull the trigger. She sobbed uncontrollably as she changed her mind and turned the gun towards Murder. Mia Moore, Murder uttered, disappointment and hurt in his tone. Mia Moore shifted her gun back and forth indecisively. Who do I choose? I can't choose, she said aloud. They heard the sound of a fourth gun being cocked back. They looked around in confusion, wondering where it was coming from. It wasn't until Mia Moore turned her head that she saw Mecha Diamond. But by then, it was too late. Boom! Mecha sent a bullet crashing through Mia Moore's skull finally winning the game of life and death they were playing. No! Carter and Murder screamed as they watched in horror as Mia Moore's body dropped to the ground, and Mecca stepped out of the shadows with a smoking gun in his hand. On instinct, both men loaded Mecca up with bullets. Mecca's body jerked, and he tried to squeeze off a few crazed shots before the bullets from Murder and Carter's gun robbed him of his life. He went out with a smile, because he had finally gotten his revenge. Now, he was going to reunite with the rest of the Diamond Dynasty. Carter rushed to Mia Moore's side and held her in his arms. The crimson hole in her temple let him know that she was long gone, but he cradled her anyway, and cried as he kissed the top of her head. He was in shock and hysterical. All of the beef that he had been through. And all of the material things that he had gained seemed worthless to him now that he sat in a puddle of Mia Moore's blood. His death had broken him down to his weakest state. Murder fell to his knees and put his hands on top of his head. 
His heart was broken, and in complete anguish, his tears also fell down his face. He pointed his gun at Carter. You did this to her, Murder screamed. He wanted to end Carter, but it wouldn't bring me a more back. Murder lowered his weapon and hit the floor with his bare hands as he cried and mourned over me more. Carter didn't focus on anything but the woman in his arms. He tuned everything else out as he spoke in Mia Moore's ear. I'm so sorry, Ma. I love you, Mia Moore. Wake up for me, Ma. You gotta wake up, Carter cried. Wake up, Ma. Wake up. Wake up. I mean, though. If you hadn't thrown her out the hotel, if you hadn't turned on her and all that kind of stupid-ass shit, she'd still be alive. Like, now you care? This is just like um, Anissa. Like, chapters back, when she somehow out of nowhere went completely out of character and started wilding out on murder. Shit don't make no sense. Wake up, bitch! Mia Moore gasped and sucked in air as her eyes shot open, and she looked around in confusion. Her vision was blurry, but she could see that her arms were still bound, and Fabian loomed over her, swinging the deadly chain in his hands. It's about time you woke up, bitch! thought you died on me for a minute, he said with a devious smile. You passed out, but don't worry. I'm going to make sure the next time you black out it will be for good. What the fuck? Carter? Murder? She mumbled frantically as she looked around the basement that she was trapped in. She dreamed all of that? So diamond, so, so Breeze is still alive? That's what you're telling me? Robin's still alive? Okay, cool. I don't know how she knew that uh, Diamond had been shuttled off to fucking Haiti, but cool. The hope that had filled her slowly fizzled away. I passed out. None of it was real, she thought as tears came to her eyes. I'm dying. I just saw my entire life flash before my eyes. It was all a dream. I'm right back where I started. Right back at the beginning. None of it ever really happened. Carter, murder, Mecca, Breeze. I made it all up in my head. It was at that moment that Mia Moore realized that she was not invincible. This was not a dream. And the lifestyle that she lived was finally catching up to her. Her karma had come full circle. I'm going to die down here, she admitted to herself. Mia Moore was truly terrified, and she began to weep as she realized there was no avoiding her fate. It was all a dream, she whispered in disbelief as she cried desperately. The mind is a powerful tool. It's the most powerful weapon that a human possesses, and when Mia Moore's body can no longer endure the physical pain, her mind had temporarily taken her to a different place in time, to a place of relief. But now that she was awake... Her circumstance was still the same. The putrid smell of human waste mixed with blood filled the air. This was truly hell on earth, and her torture had just begun. It wouldn't end until Fabian said so, and he had a lot planned for her before putting her out of her misery. Her eyes widened as Fabian lifted the chain and brought it down across her naked body. Ah! Mia Moore screamed in agonizing pain. Just when she thought it was all over, the torture had just begun.
I wasn't going to read this part, this bullshit, but I'm going to read this bullshit right here. The entire story you read was all a figment of Mia Moore's imagination. Not until you open the pages of the Cartel 3 will you figure out her fate. So, to make sure I got this straight, Mia Moore imagined that she was in a coma. Like, she imagined that she was in a coma for, like, months. And that Carter came and found her because he was looking for Breeze. Who was literally taken about the same time. Well, they didn't know, she didn't know where Breeze was. And so... She dreamed that Breeze was in Haiti at Matisse place in the mountains and that a nurse would call because Breeze will leave a note and that this dude was sexually assault Breeze repeatedly trying to get her pregnant until she committed suicide. She dreamed all that. She dreamed being so afraid of Carter or being so afraid of Mecca that she would scream in the night and Carter would wake her up and say, it's okay, Ma, and then he'd propose to her and then break up with her and then slap her and then throw her out of the hotel and then she'd happen to see murder because Aries and Robin, who she hadn't seen since she said, I'm riding with my dude, not with y'all, left and went to L.A., that Robin and Aries would both show up out of nowhere and mail a letter to to to, to murder who was getting out on parole? She she dreamed all that. Pretty specific, B. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm not reading book three next. I'm moving on to something else and then coming back. So we all gonna be in suspense. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Patreon.com slash Single Simulcast, Buy Me a Coffee slash SSCast, Leave a Review on Podchaser, you can leave a review for separate episodes or for the show as a whole, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. When y'all leave reviews, it helps other people find the show. I appreciate that. Uh, Thank y'all so much for listening. I do greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Wait. So she dreamed about Ace and Ace's baby mama. And um, Mecca killing Ace's baby mama. And she dreamed about how um, Ace dropped the case so then the baby would be safe. She dreamed about all that specifically. Oh. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is
single simulcast. Yo lo no van a ver, 